All right, oh, I'm so happy. My mind is racing already, my heart club. I've got something that I need to share with you in this very moment. And, but we first need to recap. Let me take you back two weeks from this very day. And we spoke on the series and the topic of James, the book of James. That's where we add as a house. And it's not a sermon. So if you came to church for some preaching, yes, but the truth of the matter is we want to share God's word and we want to teach you God's word. That's what this is about. The book of James is all about teaching. Now, what I told the first service this morning is that it's all about what you're going to do with it. That's the book of James. For James is that guy that shares information and facts and manners and guidelines and all of it. And then he leaves it at your feet and he's like, what will you do with what I just told you, what I've taught you, what I've shared? And that will either influence your life for the better, the positive, or the other way. You might reject it and it will go down the wrong road. So that is the book of James, the book from your Quibus. All right, let me just throw that out there as well. A lot of guys in the last week or two weeks had moments where they're like, all right, Afrikaans Bible, come on to James. It's not Jacob, where it's the book, Jacobus. You will get it. All right, so we spoke of James. James was not just a normal guy. James was the half-brother, but the brother, basically, of Jesus. They grew up together in the same house, and there was a man, a barn. They, they were a family in the house, and Jesus being Jesus, called and sent as God himself, Grew up as a normal human being in that very house. That's what we said. So if you missed that, you've got to go listen. There's a lot of detail. But then we also focus on the moment where we said, but James basically got the blame for everything because his brother is Jesus, God who created everything, who's truth and will never lie. So if it comes to who stole mom's cookies, it was never Jesus, it was James. So he was that sibling, that brother in the house that most probably got the blame for everything. Because Jesus is God in the house and his parents knew it. So he grew up with a sibling that challenged the whole vibe in the house. But because of that moment where Jesus spoke the truth, yes is yes, no is no, honesty is everything. James grew up with a character that follows that. James grew up as this young guy that knew yes is yes, no is no, and the truth is the truth. And as he grew up, he never believed in Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior, and God sent into this world. Never. For Jesus was just his normal brother. And I, I used the example that if someone had to tell you that your brother or sister is the Savior of the world, growing up as children, you most probably will go like, you have no idea. Dude, you must be drunk because this guy, he can never be the Savior. So James grew up in this house knowing this because his parents told him this. And the words were spoken, the prophecies written down in this very moment. James grew up to an adult life where he never believed that Jesus is the Savior. Never. He was a skeptic. He was cynical. But up until the point where Jesus was crucified, he died, and he rose from the dead, and he appeared to James privately. 
up until that moment where James met with Jesus, where there was an experience with Jesus, only then did James's heart turn. So first of all, the book of James is all about meeting with Christ. Do you get this? I've got to write this down. The book of James is all about the experience with Christ and the relationship you should have and how to strengthen that. That's what it's about. Why? Because James experienced that life. He lived that life. No one did not believe in Christ like James. For it was just his little brother. Ah, his older brother there in the corner. Ah. He did not believe. It was like the front runner. But then, because Jesus showed up in all his glory, as a friend, as a brother, but also as his Savior, that moment meeting with him changed his whole life. And therefore, he wrote this book. You see, this book has a lot of facts in it, in your face kind of stuff in it. So in this day, I'm going to call Sandri. She said she'll help me. I want to illustrate something. Let me just get this. Okay, mooi. All right, Jose. Like it bekend, Johan. Counseling sessions, ne? Lekker. All right, so here's the thing. I'm going to ask Sandri the simple one little thing. Okay, everyone's got a phone, right? I take it as a yes. When you turn the, the screen, it does this. Okay, you can see yourself. All right, it's like a mirror. So, Sandri, this is you. Okay, draw yourself. Our mars now, oh yeah, kon hier niemand anders gevraagd nie. That's a good start, all naked and all this, and church. Sy jou mars a rokkie wat sy vir jou wou aantrek. That's so beautiful. Oh man. Who gives me hundred bucks? You can frame it, you can hang it in your house. Joke, I think, is yay. So here's the thing. Thank you, Sandri. Just turn to the audience. Come on. Who gives a 50%? I think, I think the hair is kind of accurate. I think the pants, your mom will go like, yeah, this is not my kind. Nooit drog is nie. But let, let's be honest. Where's the freckles? Van diese spruit. Let's be honest. Was alidita? Where's your structure? Where's the nose that is accurate? Where's your neck in this? Where's your shoulders? Where's your hands? Where's your feet? If I compare this to Sundry and how she truly looks, and what she literally just saw, she saw herself. This is lacking. What she drew, and this is herself, is not Sundry. For when we look at Sundry right now, she's a lot more than just this. You see, there's definition regarding Sundry. The way she smiles when she's nervous, 
the way she plays with her hands when she's nervous, the way she's not nervous, there's a way. When she's sad, when she's lonely, we know that side. But what I know for a fact is what she draw and, and how she sees herself and what's accurate on the paper and what's truly accurate in real life. It's not the same thing. You see, there's no substance, Sundry. There's no substance because there's no detail. And maybe this is how you see yourself, but I want to tell you on this day, there's a lot to you, a lot more, a lot of depth that's not in this picture. And you drew it. Thank you, Sandra. Give her a hand. You see, a lot of people, a lot of people, when I ask you, please paint me a picture of yourself or draw a picture of yourself, you most probably will send me a photo. You will take a selfie or you'll let someone else take a photo and you'll send me the photo. But the truth is, when I ask you to draw yourself, when, you, when I ask you to be creative and show me you on a piece of paper, some of you might go like, yes, like, is that sprutnovia da? Do I have freckles? Do I have frown lines? Uh, is my cheekbone square or long? Your mind might go to a place where you almost doubt the way you look. You see yourself daily in some mirror. You see yourself daily, this is a given, on photos somewhere, on a status, a page, social media. You should know how you look and what you are. But when I give you a pen and a paper and I say, okay, look at yourself, okay, now draw you. Begin yo. The funny thing is a lot of you, and I think including myself, we forget about a lot of detail. There's a lot of things we do not write down, we do not see, or we forget. And see, James spoke of this very moment. He used this. He said that people who call themselves followers of Christ, who are disciples in His presence, who work in His kingdom, who only have faith and live by grace, but have no deeds following this. And then he says this, I like people. Guess what? Who look in the mirror? They see themselves. So they go like, mm-hmm, mm, yeah. And three seconds later, when they turn, they forget how they look. They forget themselves. See, I can show you a selfie. I can show you you. And I can ask you three seconds later, please, what you just saw, paint that. Dickened it. Draw that. Draw you, what you just saw. And most of you, and I, I want to say all of us, will miss some freckle. We'll miss some line. Some of us will go like we half the size suddenly. Broken mirrors maybe. But you will not draw yourself accurate, accurately. For you forget. You and I, we forget easily. And then James says, we are like those people. 
When you live a life and you proclaim, by faith I will overcome, God says nothing is impossible, and you know your scripture. You know the sermon. You know the needs of God. You know what you're supposed to do. You are well aware, and you speak of these things, but you have no deeds which follow it. You're like someone who looks in the mirror and forget yourself. You draw something that's not accurate. You draw something without substance. There's no detail. There's no value in it in a sense. Because what's valuable, you forgot. A lot of people might even draw unhappy faces. Why? Because when you look at yourself, you see sorrow. You see pain. You see a struggle. You see loneliness and emptiness. You forget the true you. You forget you in three seconds I can testify of this. We sit in conferences, we sit in sermons and churches, and we all, I almost want to say, motivated in the moment. Yes, Lord, I can change. And the moment you walk out, you forget the words, you forget the scripture, you forget the God you just praised, and then you're back into that very place of no substance. Now, James writes, he says those people who have faith and live only by grace and say, because of God, everything will work out. But they have no deeds and no action in this are foolish. It's like they don't know themselves. It's like when they look in the mirror, they look away and they look again. It seems like someone else. So I want to read to you this very verse. James 1 verse 25 and onwards. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys. So you do not forget, you obey. He or they will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in his life of obedience. When you look at this word, Following through, being active. The Hebrew word literally means God impacting me and affecting the lives of other in fortunate manners, in a favored way, being well off in His presence and happy to be envied because of God's grace. Let me recap. What James is saying, when you look in the mirror or you see yourself or a picture of yourself, and you can actually draw yourself with accurate detail and substance. It means that you are physically that person that's almost in the spirit, walking not just by words, but by deeds. You see, deeds brings the moment of substance into your spiritual life. James says you cannot just be those who hear and proclaim and speak the words of someone else and just live by that. James says you have to have substance and go over in deeds and action. And what will follow, then he says, is blessing and favor. Can I share a secret with you? Some of you might have recently had a hard week or two. I want to tell you that none of us can go without the blessing and favor of God. Let me say that again. None of us can go without the blessing and the favor of God. 
I read again the Hebrew says it's God impacting and affecting the lives of his people in a fortunate way, in a favored way, you being well off in his presence, being happy and to be invited in. That's being blessed. You and I easily say things like, achoo, achoo, I bless you. God bless you. The true meaning of blessing goes a lot deeper and has a lot of more substance than when someone sneezes, I bless you. Our culture almost perverted the word. We live a life where we do not understand the true blessing and favor of God, our Heavenly Father. The thing is, we took blessing and we started drawing it as this. There's a lot more to blessing and God's blessing and God's spoken blessing and favor over your life than a stock maniki. For he is the one true God, James says. And when you live not just by faith and grace, but you serve him with deeds, you will be blessed and favored. It means that God will be so active in your life in blessing and favor that people will become jealous because of God. I ask this question then in my own life. Am I truly blessed then? Do people almost become jealous Towards me, because they're actually jealous towards God, and then they voice it. So people look at my life and the way I live, and they're jealous of me, but they're actually jealous of God. And then they go like, yes, I wish I had God and that type of relationship with God like you have. Because that is the true blessing. According to the Hebrew word, it means that when you are blessed, God should be lifted on high. Are you living a life of blessing and favor in Him that people approach you and go like, Anthony, you, you, I'm jealous of your relationship with God. You know, you hear voices which I don't hear. Are you crazy? Okay, you're not crazy. I know it's your relationship with God. I'm jealous. I want to I preach like you. Okay, then walk in my shoes. Because I can tell you by preaching in this very day did not come easy. It did not come by sitting in a seat somewhere. It did not come by just backing down in challenges. I had to walk the walk and not just stay in faith. It's true. I'm going to skinner a bit. We'll skinner Let me gossip. So my wife now, the one laughing in the back right now, she's got this thing. Every Sunday, I'm like, okay, you're going to pray for the church when we open. She passes out, stand up, passes out. And I'm like, but I see greatness in you. You can pray. You can pray for people. Just stand there and just honor God. And then she passes out and stand up and passes out and stand up. She has the ability. She's got the substance. She's got the grace She's got the faith backing her. All she needs to do is actually take the mic, stand here and pray. The rest is given. 
It's grace. It's called God's grace. And therefore, there's love. And therefore, you have skills and talents, which he backs in the spirit. But then James says that if you want to have that and you want to grow in that and you are envious because of other people living that, you actually need to get in those shoes and walk the walk. Let me share a real human secret with you. Every Sunday, when I get up, I'm nervous. Yeah. Every Sunday I drove, drive to church, I pray, Lord, hide me behind the mountain. Every Sunday, I sit in that room before service, first and second. I'm so nauseous. Ek naar. Ek naar magie. I'm nervous. Everything in my mind says, you're going to forget what is written down on the papers and on the iPad. And then I freak out. And then here comes the band. Oh, you're going to sing with us today. You're going to sing that song with us. I'm like, dude, I've got to preach. I'm already nervous. Now you want me to sing songs. Then they go like, yeah, that's how God stretches you. Then I'm like, well, who taught you that? Now I'm screwed. And then I'm more nervous. And then someone says, okay, now you've got to play bass as well. Then I'm going to look, please, Lord, take me now. But I tell you, the only way God grows you is through the trials, the testing, and you actually getting up and doing it. Because if you are scared to fail in His presence, you will not grow in His presence. By making mistakes, by stepping up to the plate, and you swing, and if you miss, you miss, but you swung. You were active in the game. You were active in the calling. You did not draw stick manikis in your liver. You added substance to your being and calling. But you've got to walk the walk. It might start off with coming to church 10 minutes before, and as we sing the songs and practice, you just pray for three minutes. But the three minutes, I guarantee, will go to five somewhere. If you walk the walk, if you want to grow, be that guy, nervous, saying, okay, I'll pray for the group today. <laughs> and then you go like, yeah, yeah. And that's about what you said with Amen. But you've got to step into that place. Otherwise, you like James says, you're that guy that looks yourself in the mirror. You face yourself. You turn away and you forgot what you look like. It's exactly what happens in life. You sit here, you hear, you absorb, you understand, you let it just hover in your mind. But the moment you get in your car, you go to your work tomorrow or Wednesday, you forget the substance of God and the calling thereof, and you start, stop walking in the shoes. It's like you forget yourself. I say it with love, a lot of people I know reached an age where they literally cannot remember themselves. You might know elderly people who do not know who they are. They don't know where they're at. And they literally need someone looking after them every second. Otherwise, they will disappear into this world. They will get lost. 
That's what James is saying. He says that your deeds should follow. Otherwise, you're like people who do not know who they are, and you will hover, and you will go here and there in life, and you will get lost. I want to encourage you in this day that your deeds will be a part of your faith. Yes, you are in the house, and I honor you for that. Don't miss one service, one meet, but step it up then even more. Be that person walking up and saying, I have no idea how to pray. My yaku can believe but take that risk. And this day it should challenge your heart to a place where you refuse to only proclaim faith, but start living it as well. Backing it with action. I remember this, and I've, I've shared it before, my own brother. I, I walked up onto the stage 10 minutes before service. He gives me a, a pack of papers and the bass guitar, and he says, you're playing bass today. Blah! That's where I started. You've got to step into the places that's uncomfortable, but backed by your faith. Do you get this? You heard the baby, right? Sonico and Sasha, Blail Z. Who would say no? Sivamanda. I tell you, no matter how many plans they had before that baby, we will save money. We're going to have this house. We're going to have that car. When the baby came, everything shifted and changed. I'm all for my say, dude. Who can't do this? I'm ready for him. I'm ready for him. I save money. No matter what you do, you will never have enough money. No matter, you're not going to sleep for the next 30 years of your life. It's that. You might have excuses for not stepping up to the place where your faith needs to follow by deeds. But I tell you this, no matter what you do, you will fall short in the presence of God because He will stretch you further, longer, wider. He wants to bring the best out of you and me and us as a body of Christ and as a church. Therefore, He will place things in our lives where He wants us to not look at ourselves like this, but add substance. He wants us to follow in deeds. I tell you, when the baby comes, everything just works out. I mean, look there. The pa weet hy moet die kind uitvat, en nou pa wees. That is it. God will carry you through, but you've got to step up to the plate. You and I need to reach a place in our lives where we say, by faith, I know nothing is impossible for my God. And then you step up, you take the mic and say, so I'll start praying then. Because nothing's impossible, so I can pray, right? I can learn how to pray, but you've got to step up. See, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I know Papa, I said, I am what I am. Know a good sermon about that. By the grace of God, you've got to get this. Because of who God is, you can be you. That's the first step. The grace comes first regardless of who you are and where you're heading. 
The grace of God covers your life and my life, not because we work for it, but because of who God is and Jesus' price he paid and the Holy Spirit that was poured out by the grace of God. You have talents, gifting, skills, the ability, a sound mind, a body being in this church, knowing of a church, knowing the name of Jesus. That is the grace of God. You are healthy. You have money. You have a place to sleep. You have plans for the future. There's babies being added. That is the grace of God, not because of what you did. It's grace. How arrogant is it not to act then on the things already given? That's what James is saying. He's saying, you've got to go because of the grace. And then it says, and his grace to me was not without effect. Paul wrote in this very moment, he said, because of God being God and everything he added into my life, everything had action. The grace given was not without effect, not without substance, not without deeds. I followed physically a lifestyle and deeds and actions because of the grace and the faith I have in Him. I hope I'm challenging you. Because we sing songs like nothing is impossible. But when I press on your button, I say, come, let's teach the children the Word of God. Become a teacher. Become a volunteer. You step back. Why? Because you just forgot the calling over your life. You just forgot who you are are in the presence of God. You saw yourself in the sermons. You hallelujah to the promises. You took it. You sang the songs. You believe nothing's impossible. That's looking in the mirror. But the moment God said, now I take the mirror away. Now be what you saw. Then you back away. You draw this. James says. Geloof, zonder daden, let's do it. Faith, not followed by actions and deeds, are phony and dead, the word of God says. You can sit in the house for years and years and years and sing the songs, but if your life does not back your faith, if your deeds does not back your faith, God says you are dead. That's a scary place to be, man. When God himself says you're dead. Look at this. For just as a human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, there's no life. There's no substance. There's no ability. By the grace, those who have faith without the expression of God's work is dead. By the grace, we have the ability to live and be alive. Don't back away from that life. So that's what James says. I say again, yesterday's Bible walk. Potentially 250 Bibles. Potentially seven people per Bible. 1,750 people will be reached because of yesterday's Bible walk. By the grace. I was the one yesterday like, near Owens' coat. Yes, Owens' rock now out. Come and sit in his soul. You guys went like, no, I'm here to walk, man. It's the truth. 
That should be your attitude when it comes to the things of God, the spirit of God, being active in his kingdom, being a part of the body, having skills and gifting. You should say, by the grace, I'm so thankful. It will not go without effect. I will use it. I will follow it. I will live it. I will be this. By the grace. I think on this day, you need to know that even the demons know of Christ and know the word. Get this. They know this. They have faith. They have faith that Christ is Christ. There's no doubt about it. But when you read James, you'll see that he says even the demons have faith, but they still stay the demons. That's scary. When you look at the sermon last week, if one big hand appears or one big eye appears, that is not a body, that's a monster. The demons stay demons and they are the monster because they are not a part of the faith and the actions of the body of Christ. Therefore, they are monsters. You and I, we know monsters. They live for themselves. Every word they speak is about themselves and what they will do. I tell you, those people do not have a lot of friends. Those people sit alone by tables and in meetings. Because no one wants to sit next to a monster who only lives for self-gain. Only speaks self-gain. Self-promotion. But I tell you, by the grace of God, when you have faith and your deeds are backed by it, I tell you that God will lift you on high. You will not be dead but alive. Don't be monsters. I want to mention two things. How do you receive the blessing and the favor? The blessing and the favor which James just wrote off, and he said, by being actively involved, you will experience and have the blessing and favor of God. How do you get it? Make a note. Number one, be obedient and simply do the last thing God told you to do. So if God challenges you, even through people, come and pray, then you step up to the moment. You stand there and you pray. Because that's what God just asked me to do, even if it's through someone else. God will send people your way, and He will challenge you through people, messages, Scripture, and you know in your heart, I am supposed to, but your brain says, no, you have no substance, you cannot. But I tell you, God says, back your faith with the deeds. Do the last thing God called you. Maybe we said, listen, we need volunteers for the kids or the band or the tech. Something you went like, that sounds cool. That is the calling you are experiencing. When you think another minute of it, when you turn away from the moment, you will start doubting that. You've got to just step up. Say, I've got no clue, but here I am. Do the last thing that God called you to do. Maybe you feel it died out many years ago. But let me tell you, God does not let go of his calling. When God calls you, he wants to use you. When God says you are a part of his body, you are a part of his body if you decide so. If you want to fill that gap. You see, the meeting place is not on the plain. It's not by the foot of the mountain, but it's on the mountaintop. 
And you look at Abraham and Moses, they met with God on the mountaintop and they saw him face to face. They were literally living and breathing in the presence of the holy God, the experience of Jesus moment, you know. They had to climb the mountain. They had to get the Nikes on. They had to pack the food. They had to go through the rocks and over the rocks and through the bushes and over the trees. They had to maybe kill some snakes on the way. But they had to walk the walk and said, by faith, I'm going to meet with my king. But you have to walk physically into that presence. You've got to do the last thing that God calls you to do. Then second thing. Respond in faith to opportunity. If there's a place where you can serve, step up and just do it. I tell you, church people, they are a forgiving crowd. It's okay. Heilige mense. If you fail, they will forgive and we work on it and we build you and we grow together. But just step up and get involved. If there's something in your heart stirring, God says, oh, you know that hundred rand, then your console and your car, give it unto those who have no food. If that's you, just step in faith into the opportunity. Dude, will you do the coffee? I've never done it, but okay. That's all we, God needs. I'm here, Lord, grow it, stretch it, move it. I don't just want to believe, I want to act and live. See, you in this day need to realize that James 2 verse 17 should be accurate in your life. I read it again. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? You learn the right words, you know, but you do not follow an action. It does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has faith. For instance, you come up Upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Jesus. Be filled by the Holy Spirit. And then you walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? And then it says, it's, it's not, it, Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? And James, I want to say God talk without God walk. It's nonsense. You are fake. That's what James says. Remember the first week I said we need to get some buckles, seat belts for the seats because this is James. He will offend you. He will get in your, your face and he will call a spade a spade. He says that if you only believe and there's no walk, you are fake. Come on, church, I can tell you on this day, I know God wants to grow each and every one. I know you have skills and talent and calling. I know that it is true over your each and every life. But what I know is you might just believe it, but you need to follow an action. You've got to back your faith with your deeds. Otherwise, you are dead. But I pray, no, come pray. Let's pray together. Let's shout out the name of God in prayer meets. So that you hear it, I hear it. Why? Because the physical movement is important. There's life in that. There's substance in that. I tell you this about the first of your lives. So the first 
baby, the first praying in front of people, the first sermon, the moment you have done the first, you walk away entitled that I can do this again. It wasn't that bad, actually. I only fainted twice. Do it once and it's easier the second time. Do it the second time and it's easier the third and fourth and fifth. That's prophetic for you, we're seven kinders, eight kinders, take it, Sasha. Do you hear the word of God on this day? You might feel like nobody. I want to tell you through the grace, and if you act, you are somebody. Through you just showing up and walking around the church block, you can influence thousands of lives. By showing up in band and tech and coffee, you influence lives. By hugging someone with the love of Christ, you influence a heart and a life. By just praying your prayer speaks into the heart and lives of those in the room. You can be a somebody if you walk the walk. You're not a nobody. That's what James says. Don't just believe, but be. Be you. Be the individual God called. In this moment, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. We're going to play a song. And I want you to truly listen to the words. Like for real, listen to the words. Maybe this is the only thing you remember in this day, and this is what God's going to use in your heart and life now. I pray that the Spirit will be accurate and that you will follow in the deeds of the call. Why you ever chose me Has always been a mystery All my life I've been told I belong At the end of the line With all the other not quite With all the never get it right But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time Cause I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody All about somebody Who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song to sing I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight You picked 12 outsiders Nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose So when I hear that devil Start talking to me Saying who do you think you are I say I'm just a nobody Trying to tell
let's close our eyes in this moment maybe in this day you want to say lord i want i want that life i want to experience that grace i want to call out your name maybe as a nobody but lord let let you be somebody in my life if that's you in this day every eye closed just lift your hand we're going to pray with you you don't need to come forward at all see this is an internal decision that's a heart's decision for you to accept Christ as the somebody. Because I tell you, you are not a nobody. Father, in this day, we pray for every hand lifted on high in this day. Father, we pray for every soul that accepts you in this day. Jesus, you the Savior of their hearts and lives, Lord, we pray over them. We pray that you will move deeply, Holy Spirit, that you will guide them, God, as they accept you as the Savior of their lives. I pray that your substance will fill it, that their deeds will follow your grace, Lord. I pray greatness over each and every one. Father, I pray that every heart in Jesus' name, Father, will rise to the call of the deeds. That, Father, the grace of our lives will be followed by the works of our hands, our words of our mouth, and our thoughts and actions, Father. Let us back our faith through our deeds. For we are alive in you. We are alive and free in you, Jesus. Let it be true in every heart, in every moment, in every manner. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray it. And the house says, Amen. Amen.